Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. There are a lot of things that happen in our generation. Scandal is a big part of it because social media, everything is instant and people's lives are constantly on display. We sang Gyro, we sang two Maverick City songs. Some of you may know and others may not that there was a split very recently in Maverick City. And you've heard me out on the grounds and in here talk about Dante, who I, he's like a son that I never met. Not that I have sons that I haven't met. I just want to make sure that we're clear in the house of God. <laughs> because y'all might write something in your notes that I didn't mean for you to write. But you've heard me talk about him and he's had some struggles. And they were made public. And for now, he's not a part of Maverick City. And so many people are blessed by their ministry. I want us to examine what's going on. But my prayer for Dante is that a Psalm 51 would flow out of his heart. Because David, a man after God's own heart, when he made a mistake, we now have Psalm 51. It is the model of repentance. So I pray that someone who has a word of reconciliation in their mouth would speak to that young man and let him know that God is a God of restoration. He's a redeemer. I know my redeemer lives. I know my redeemer lives. He's a redeemer. And he is a God of reconciliation because we know that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So anything that I say is not about judgment. It's about perspective. Because the same God who rescued me and rescued you is able to rescue Dante. But I want us to examine so that we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. This is not about flesh and blood. This is not about flesh and blood. I love Maverick City today as much as I loved them yesterday. And when they came on the scene, God is blessing the world with them. That's why they're a target. That's why they're a target. So here's the question, what impact does the behavior of a believer have on the world? And there are some people who have, I want you to write this in your notes, access to excess, access to excess, here's what you should put in your notes. Access to excess opens the door to many temptations. Access to excess opens the door to many temptations. There are two kingdoms operating in the earth. There was only one in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden. Eden. There was no reason to introduce the kingdom of God because it was only God and Adam and then God and Eve. Heaven and earth kissed together. It was one until a serpent 
who oppose the word of God. That's important. Has God said that happened in the garden is happening today. For those of you who were here last week, you saw that we put up the slides that were a study published in Christianity Today and how faith is slipping because that same enemy is saying, has God said? And people reject the authority of the word. We ought to hold on tighter when you see that happening. So then disobedience was introduced and God's word still proved to be true. He said, in the day that you eat this fruit, you shall surely die. But the deceiver said, has God said when you eat this fruit, you're going to die? God knows that when you eat it, you shall be wise. You shall be like God. What he does is he puts his own ambition on us. The reason he was cast out of heaven is because he wanted to be like God. We are to submit ourselves to God because God is sovereign. There is no one who can be sovereign over themselves. There's not one of us who decided when we were going to be born. And not one of us can resist God when he decides to take away our breath. God is sovereign. His word is true. His word is first and last. But there's an enemy of our soul who's walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Access to excess opens the door to many temptations. There's a perversion that I see. The first thing I want to talk about with what caused the split with Maverick City, which I believe they'll come back together, and particularly with Dante, who I'm praying for. I made a covenant with Keith Lockett to pray for seven days because Keith tours with Maverick City. He and Kia, but he and I were talking and talking through this thing. And for seven days, we're gonna, put, we're gonna pray. And we, we pick seven because in heaven, that represents completion. So we wanna be on heaven's side. We'll see why that number is important. But I see a spirit of perversion. And all you have to do is look around and you see a perversity. One of the reasons that Dante has been disciplined and sat down is not just because of what recently happened and I don't want to rehash it, but I want to make a point by bringing up one thing because I think it'll help us with understanding the spirit that, that's working in the children of disobedience that tries to snatch those who are obedient to God and bring them out. That's what happened in the beginning. Adam obeyed God. He had perfect fellowship with God. They were so close, he could hear God's footsteps in the garden. That's being close. And then something drove a wedge. The devil wants to drive a wedge between you and God, between me and God. And when someone has access to excess, the doors open wide. One of the things that Dante Bo was accused of is following and going to a concert and posting little Nas X. If you don't know who he is, 
just Google him, and you will be astounded. He did a video on one of his recent albums. It's called Montero, I believe. And it's literally him sitting on a throne in hell on the lap of the devil, seducing the devil. And you, the lyrics, don't let your children read them. It's hard, but I do research. I research the Bible and this other stuff so I can bring the scripture to contemporary times. This is little Nas X. He developed a shoe called Satan's Shoe. And he did it through Nike. The number that he sold were 666 pairs. He wanted it to be exclusive. You know what he charged? $1,018. I remember when this came out, I have at least one witness. I called Ken and I said, there's no way these are going to sell when they were hyping it up. And one day, they all sold. Now, it's not just that they're called Satan shoes. They sacrifice blood to Satan. And they put drops of blood in every shoe. And 666 people consume them in a day. Now, what is the spirit of perversion? Nas X should be following Dante in Maverick City. Why is it the other way around? There's a spirit that's at, at work that is far more nefarious after our children. Dante is 29 years old. I vaguely remember what I was like at 29. And as I thought about it, I'm happy to say that at 29, I was so madly in love with Jesus I would not even look the wrong way. I remember once I was in a mall and this guy was talking to me. We were doing some research. You know how you in the mall you ask people questions? And all the young ladies were passing and he was looking. He turned to me and said, are you a priest? He's like, you won't even turn your head. I'm not a priest. I'm a part of a royal priesthood and a holy nation who should show forth the praises of him who brought me out of darkness and into this marvelous light. What I'm saying is possible to live holy even in your youth. You can flee from youthful lust even in your youth. All you have to do is fall in love with Jesus. He's a keeper if you want to be kept. But staying on this, put that devil back up. Because he, now, what he's doing is, you see all the red, he, what he's trying to do is reflect Satan. If you later put in your, put in your browser, Nas X Satan shoes, and you see the demonic, like when you look at the, the pictures in his video, and him literally giving Satan a lap dance, and the things that he's saying that are against, it's, it's, it's deeper than blasphemy. And he's popular. He's more popular than ever. Nike sued him for this because he didn't ask for permission, but he just wanted the attention. Here's the question. What is this all about? First of all, on the sneaker, you see a scripture. Can you see it? What is it? Luke 10 and 18. 
You know what he's glorifying? That's when Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. Fall like lightning. He is worshiping Satan. So what he's saying is the domain of Satan now is the earth. The domain of Satan is the earth. Now, Jesus in the wilderness, and this is how, this is what it relates to Dante, because God blessed him and put him in Maverick City up high. The devil will come to the mountain to tempt you. The good news is Jesus resisted it. But it was after Jesus was baptized that the Spirit led him. You can't tell me that Dante Bow wasn't in the Spirit. Access to excess opens many doors of temptation and sometimes it isn't resisted. But I like what Donnie McClurkin said. We fall down, but we get up. Oh my, a saint is just a sinner who fell down, but we got up. I want to declare today in the presence of, of many witnesses, Dante shall get up. The devil can't have him. Not this one. God has put his hand on that young man. And even though I don't condone what he did, it was wrong. All he needs to do is repent. And he'll be back in the fold. As I was preparing for this message, I was reminded of a day when my middle child, Dion, who's now 26 years old, for some reason that day I took him to the pediatrician without my wife. She was probably working and I was sitting in the waiting room with him, waiting to see the pediatrician, and there was a person there who was quiet. And now I look back, I know she was a prophetess. She looked at my son, and she looked at me. She said, the devil can't have this one. The devil can't have this one. And I thought about that, and every time he's faced with a challenge in his life, that word comes up. And I say, the devil can't have this. I don't know her name. I've never seen her before or since. But there's something about the word of God that can change the direction, that can change the way you think, that can transform your mind. And I want to declare today, the devil can't have Dante. He's too valuable to the kingdom. And so rather than judge him or condemn him, we covenant to pray for him. We're going to snatch him from the bowels of hell. Nas X has made his choice, but Dante shall continue to glorify God. God, we pray that Psalm 51 would flow out of his spirit. Let new songs come from him. Let him be more earnest than ever. May he touch more lives than he's ever touched. May the world know what it means to repent. Just like his, his life has been put on blast, let them see true repentance. The tr let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. I talked about the two kingdoms. This 666, this glorifying the devil, people consuming that stuff because they're confused, they're deceived. But in Matthew 4, 8, and 9, write this in the notes. We're not going to put it up. I'm going to read it for you. But in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, here's the evidence 
that another kingdom came in. And look who offers it to Jesus. And the devil took him up on an exceeding high mountain. See, Jesus can handle it. You could take him up. You can show him everything and he's all right. But it's hard, especially for a young person who all of a sudden blows up. They're famous. They're rich. They have access to excess. See, God knows what we can handle. But you need to have a certain form of maturity to get there. That's why we, wanna, we want sound doctrine to prevail. It's not a good idea to always have people thinking that my salvation means prosperity. Because guess what they pursue? Access to excess. But here's the, one of the promises of God. As Keith was reading the promises of God, it says, God will never allow you to be tempted above what you can handle. But with the temptation, he'll always give you a way to escape. Just like Joseph escaped Potiphar's wife, God will give you a way to escape. What the devil won't do in order to trap you in your, into his kingdom he will not give you a way to escape. He will allure you. He took Jesus up just as he takes Dante up. I'm going to say a word on Beyonce too because we need to pray for her. In a minute, I'll say a word about that. He said, and showed him the kingdoms of this world. The kingdom, I told you there's two kingdoms. The kingdom of God. Now, there was only one, the kingdom of God. Satan introduced the kingdoms of this world, which most, that's why we're in the world, we're not of it. Jesus came back to restore the kingdom of God. And when he started preaching, after he overcame this temptation, he went about preaching saying, repent and believe the gospel. But before he said that, what did he say? The kingdom of God has come. See, that's a message of restoration. That's a message of what has been lost has been restored. The kingdom of God has come. So what should you do? Repent and believe the gospel. Most people cast off the gospel. It's foolishness to those who perish, but it's a sweet-smelling savor to us who are saved. We love the cross. The cross looks like weakness to us, but we see the power of God in the cross. He showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. What Nas X has done is fell down and worshiped him. The perversity is he ought to be following Maverick City, not the other way around. I promise you that in life, that perversion exists all the time. I want to say to you, no matter what generation you're in, whichever of the five, Gen Z, Millennial, Gen X, Boomer, or the greatest, the silent generation, which is the greatest, our witness matters. That's the thing that I have against 
what Dante did. I have nothing against him, but the thing is because your witness matters. Put a question in your notes. What is the difference between a testimony and witness? What's the difference between testimony and witness? If you think about a court of law and you're called to give testimony to my law enforcement brethren, to give testimony, let's say that I'm a known liar and I've been known to be corrupt. Is my witness going to be good or bad? It doesn't matter what my testimony is because my life shows what I am. By their fruit, you shall know them. But let's say I'm an upstanding, reliable, consistent person of integrity. Integrity, the root word is integer. Integer is a, word, is, is a mathematical term. It means whole. It's a whole number, right? Whole. If I'm a person that you know, if, that, if he said it, it's good. What is the power of their testimony? It's great because you are credible. What we want to be for God is a credible witness. If a credible witness matters in the courts of the earth, how much more does it matter in the courts of heaven? You want to be a credible witness. Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. The only way I can overcome by the word of my testimony is to be a good witness because now I'm credible. It is very important that our posture is such that people are not confused and that we don't participate in perversion, that the straight and narrow is what follows us. Here's why. Here's the next thing I want you to put in your notes. And this is the bookend to access to excess. It is, we have access to redemption, which comes from repentance. We have access to redemption. Access to excess opens up temptation. Access to redemption brings about salvation. Everyone in the whole world has that access, but they refuse it. And what the devil does is he shows them the glory, and too many bow down and worship him. That's their choice. The thing that breaks God's heart is when his children follow after perverse things. When they are supposed to be the witnesses in the earth who make the crooked places straight. How will the crooked be straight? How will the perverse be turned right if a witness doesn't do what a witness needs to do to be credible? Okay, let's get deeper into the message. I want to give you some instructional verses that help us judge things by first judging ourselves then we'll know how to pray for Dante and Beyonce, who I'm going to talk about in a minute. The first scripture I want you to write down is Romans 14, verses 21 through 23. Evil is always present. When I would do good, 
Evil is always present. Paul said, the things I don't want to do, those are the things I do. The things that I want to do, I don't do. Therefore, I see another member working in me, another, another body part, an invisible body part. He said, the law of sin and death is working in me. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The, the next scripture I want you to write down is, and this is understanding the human condition. Romans 7, 14 through 25. Romans 14, 21 and 23 is instructional. The first one put beside it instructional. Romans 14, 21 through 23. Romans 7, 14 through 25 is understanding the human condition. That's the wretchedness. The instructional one is to know that people are saying, oh, because you're a believer and you listen to secular music, that's bad. Music is neutral. Lyrics are the language. So there's bad language and there's good language. Do I have a witness in the room? There are good lyrics, there are bad lyrics. I was listening to a gospel station driving my family up to Spooky Nook. And they weren't with me last night if I seem sad because I was in the house all by myself. They weren't there. When I called, nobody answered. So they stayed up there overnight. And my wife turned to me and said, is that a gospel song? It had the beat of rhythm and blues. Soul, it was soulish, make you feel good. You have to move and never mention Jesus, never mention the gospel, but it's a gospel song. Is that a good song? But we're quick to point out anything that is secular that is as bad. It could, there are good secular songs that the lyrics are just telling a story. Now, I'm not condoning secular music. I'm trying to make a point. I'm saying sometimes we judge this is bad, this is good, just because of the label. You have to know the spirit that's behind it. The things that Dante did, you will have more compassion if you can see the spirit behind it. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but spirit. And that's what we're trying to impart today. So let's talk a little bit about lyrics. Beyonce is talented. She's gifted. She started in the church. I, you know, I, I pray that God would find her and Jay-Z because they're so gifted. They have so much to offer. His story is different. I understand why he strayed, but I think he also can be reached. But the access to excess leads to more. Beyonce has 263 million followers on Instagram. Most people on planet Earth don't know what it's like to be that popular. And that's a lot of voices. You want to keep them engaged. So you do things that if you were just by yourself, and if, it was, if you had none of that, you wouldn't do it. Access to excess. 263 million. Presidents don't have that much. Queen B is popular. And she has been rebuked lately for church girl. And she should have been. Those lyrics are bad. But she has songs that have lyrics that are worse. 
There's one called lemonade. I don't know about that, y'all be honest. I did my research before this. And the reason I wanna bring it up is the spirit that's working. There's a, there's a, there's a part, I left it on silent, but I watched the video and then I read the lyrics because I didn't want it to get in my spirit. So I knew what to expect because I heard about it, but she plunges herself in water. It's a very, very, it gives some sensual things that are not real, it's illusion. The, the color she's wearing makes it look like she disrobed. She takes off her zipper, the zipper of what she's wearing, and it's like, whoa, she really did that? But it's, it's not what it looks like. So don't worry, if you have virgin eyes, it's okay to look at it. I warned you, I warned you. But then what happens is plunging is a book and it says the Holy Bible, scripture. But here are the lyrics. I want you to look it up for yourself. But essentially what she says in her lyrics, and I thought long and hard, God, should, is it lawful for me to say this? Yes, my people need to know this. She says she uses the word of God as a tampon. That's beyond blasphemous. There's no fear of God. And I'm like, how far has she come? So then what do you do? Do you point a finger? Do you judge? Or do you know, God, she's in trouble. And you begin to pray for her. There's a spirit that's, that's at work. And people who get to a certain point, when they're offered to bow down and worship the devil, like she's not consciously doing it like Nas X. But I've watched how her lyrics drift from being wholesome and it's just her God-given talent to perverse things and she's getting more popular. She went from 130 million followers to 263 million in like five years. And it followed Lemonade, that's about six years ago. It's amazing to me what the world cleaves to. That's why in the church, we should not be afraid when people are offended. Because Jesus said, if the world loves you, you're not mine. If you were of the world, they would love you. But there are so many things that make people offended that you don't want to say it because you want people to feel good and you're sending them to hell rather than rescuing them from hell. Jesus never said anything for people to like him. He was popular until he told them the truth. 5,000 and more followed him, but then when he told them who he was, they all left. And he even said to his disciples, will you leave also? Lord, where are we going to go? Those are the people that Jesus wants to reach. Those who get to the point, there's nowhere else to go but you. And it may not be the many. It's not going to be the many because broad is the way that leads to what? But the way to life is narrow. The path is narrow. The gate is narrow. And in this season of being seeker-friendly, we, we end up impacting our witness because we don't want to offend. So there are people in the faith who protect them. Now, the person we love, 
but that behavior is reprehensible. You can't say that. You can't do that. Where are her parents who brought her up in the church? You let Sherelle try that. If she thinks it, I'll know it. Get that out of your mind. We, where is the correction? There is no correction. Who God loves, he corrects. I thank God that the Holy Ghost is a convictor. That's how we stay saved. It will convict us. And I know people who really love God. They make a mistake, they run back to him. They will, they will get it right. There are people who come to me and apologize. I don't even know what they're apologizing for. But their conscience is washed with the Spirit of God. They want to stay close to God. They won't let anything separate them from God. There are other people who drift and drift and drift and they say things and they put lyrics out to the world that are an abomination. Doesn't mean her gift doesn't come from God, but the way she's using it is abusive. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let's look at Luke 15. We're going to read a couple of parables. They're short. Luke 15 and 1. It reads, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Leave that up for a moment. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. I want you to write in your notes, what, what do you see when you see this verse? And while you're doing that, keep that up for a minute. Here's some context. Jesus, one day after he did what he normally does, had healed some folks and was moving, he walked, and I want you to write this in your notes, Luke 9, no, excuse me, Luke, yeah, 9, 27 through 30. I ought to be wearing glasses. Luke 5, strike Luke 9. Am I nearsighted or farsighted? When I put it closer, it looks like a 5. Is that nearsighted? I want somebody to diagnose me so I know what. Luke 5, 27 through 39. This is for context. I'm going to talk you through it so that you can see something in this verse. Jesus is walking, and he sees someone where they collect taxes, and he says two words, follow me. Somebody talked to me. Who was that? It was Matthew. He was a tax collector. Tax collector, and was he considered a sinner? Absolutely. The Pharisees and the scribes said these are sinners. They betrayed the nation. But there are two groups, tax collectors and the sinners. So there are more people that are there, but they're all under one banner. They're sinners, but they're drawing near to him. God, I pray that we would be a place where the sinners would come near to hear you. God, let this be an atmosphere where sinners would come and be set, know that you are there because they come near to him. They come near to him to get away from the enemy of their soul. They know that their lives are shipwrecked. They've already served the wrong master. Now they want to come near to him. 
I don't want to be the reason that they don't feel comfortable coming near to him. But look at what happens. Look at the next verse. Verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. God, what did they see? They saw people who were reprehensible, people who didn't deserve to be in the presence of the Lord. Who was right and who was wrong? Just write it in your notes. Now here's some more context. Because Luke, in the verses that you'll read later, says this. After he said to Matthew, follow me, he then gave him, he, he, he went and he invited all his friends. And it says that more, many sinners and publicans came to his house. They all came. This is the setting. They saw a sinner. Here, right in your notes, Jesus saw an evangelist. Sometimes the people that we see as reprehensible, God has already marked them. I would to God that we would see what God would see. The Pharisees and the scribes didn't bring anyone elder, not one. They came complaining because they thought these people were dirty. Jesus saw an evangelist, and right away, he went and got all his friends and brought them to Jesus. See, that's what an evangelist does. An evangelist brings people to Jesus. The reason Billy Graham never pastored a church, never had a church, is because he was an evangelist. Evangelist leads people to Jesus, and then they go somewhere else and lead more people to Jesus. They don't run to stand where I'm standing because there's something burning in them to go. The woman at the well, she went and told everybody she knew in one day. She didn't have to go to some classes and get developed. All she needed was an encounter to Jesus, and she ran. That's what an evangelist does. The body of Christ needs evangelists. Their own burning desire is to say, come see a man. He took me. He told me my life. He didn't condemn me. He brought me out, and he can bring you out. I know what you think about me. It doesn't matter what you think about me, but come and see Jesus. If you just come and see this man, he'll change your life forever. That's how transformation happens. We bring people to Jesus. We don't judge them. We say, come to Jesus. If you know I'm right, somebody say amen. We need to do more of that. The woman at the well, the people saw her as a misfit. As no good, Jesus saw an evangelist. With Matthew, he saw an evangelist. You know what Matthew developed his life to? Writing so that future generations would become disciples. What we need is an eternal mindset. He wasn't even thinking about what he could do because then you know what that would do? Give him access to excess. He was thinking about the impact he could make when he was gone. You know who else did that? Oswald Chambers. 
His greatest writings happened after he was no longer here. Have you ever heard of his utmost? My utmost for his highest? You know, he died in November, on November 15, 1917. That was published in 1924. Because he wasn't living for fame. He wasn't living to be known. He wasn't living for likes and followers. He was living so that when, whatever I do, let it last. Blessed are those who die in the Lord for their works do follow them. And that mindset keeps us grounded. When Jesus looked at Matthew, he didn't see a, a, a publican in the center. He saw an evangelist. God, I pray that your people right now that hear my voice in this room and on the live stream would have eyes to see as you see so that we would see the multitude and have compassion, so that we would pray aright, so that we won't judge because the same measure we meet shall be measured to us again. I pray, God, that we would be able to do it the way you did it. Give us the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. Let's go to the next verse. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, here's what I want you to write in the notes, and when you hear the parable, then you're going to answer it. Here's the question. Who is he talking to? The sinners and the publicans came near to hear him. But there were Pharisees and scribes who were there who complained. I'm like, who invited them? If it's Matthew's house, that tells you something about his heart. The people who looked down on him, he said, I'm having a party. Come, Jesus is coming. Invite everybody. See, that's what you do. You go to the hedges and the highways. You compel people to come in. So he spoke this parable to them. Who is he talking to? Saying, saying, the next verse, verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which he has lost until he finds it? There are a few things in this verse I want to point out. We, we're, we're, I'm not going to be much longer, but will you be patient with me just to work this out? So the first thing is, the one was in the fold, the same as the 99. It was a hundred of them. One of them strayed. They were all in the same fold. One of them strayed. But what does the shepherd do? Let's go to the next verse, verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. He takes special care. I'm not going to lose you again. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to hold you close to me. I'm going to put you on my shoulders and carry you back to the other 99. And I know when I get back, I'm going to find the other 99. Are you one of the 99 that God can trust? He can go to somebody else and you'll still be there. 
when he gets back. That's why we don't, we shouldn't be jealous when God is pursuing someone because you have special honor. You're still there. He knows if I leave, if I go get the one, the other 99 are going to be scattered. No, they're good. Somebody say, I'm good. He said he puts them on his shoulders and then rejoices. Why didn't he just say, I got 99, I'm still good. No, 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 no. My heart is broken over that one. That's what heaven is like. I promise you, heaven's heart is broken over Dante. If you sense what heaven saw, you wouldn't stop praying for him. You would not stop praying for him because you know when he returns, there's going to be such great joy. The joy is going to be so great on heaven, it's going to spill over on earth. And the next time Maverick City is all together, oh my God, you have not seen anything yet. Because Jesus is telling them a principle. Let's go to verse 6. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. In many of his parables, he talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's the one he said to Israel. Many are going to come from the east and the west and the north and the south. You were invited. You won't enter. Because he's saying to them, if you don't repent, that is the way. Access to redemption requires repentance. And because you think you got it all and you're all that, if you don't do that, there's a feast that is prepared for you. You won't enter. And other people will come in. Verse 7, every one of these parables has a message, and most of them are congruent. I say to you that likewise, that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So who is he talking to? Is there anyone among them who didn't need repentance? No. Was there anyone, had the Pharisees and Sadducees received Jesus? No, they were trying to trap him. So here's the thing. If I think I'm okay, I'm saying, okay, I'm, a, I'm one of the just persons. The only people who are just are who are justified by Jesus Christ. He is the just one who makes us just. Without him, I'm unjust. You're unjust. There's no justification without him, without him. So who's he talking to? He's talking to all of them. But you know the ones who received it are the ones who came near because they knew I'm a mess. But there were other people who say, I'm okay. I'm good. That's why the doctrine that we talked about last week is so dangerous to say people are inherently good. They just do a little sin, but they're good. So it's saying, I don't need repentance. So in this verse, I'm one of the ones who need no repentance. Jesus knows that nobody needs repentance. He's trying to reach them. His message is for everybody. He's trying to reach those who are complaining and telling them why there's no reason to complain. The purpose of the parable is to get them to see as God sees. But they think because they have a God-like complex, they think they already see. But the sinners know I'm, I'm messed up. The fact that you invited me to a party, and you know there's some of them who came for the food. 
They're like, I ain't had a meal like this in forever. It's like, Jesus, you are the bomb. How do I know that this is so? When he took two fish and five loaves, they followed him. He healed them. But when he said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, they said, man, what's wrong with this dude? I'm out. I'm out. He's speaking cannibalization because they couldn't understand spiritual things. That's why God wants us to know the spirit that's working so that we know how to defend ourselves and how to pray for other people. You're less likely to judge a person when you know the spirit that's working in the children of disobedience. You will pray for their deliverance because you know they're not doing it. They made a, may have made a choice, but now they're trapped. You want to rescue those who are trapped. You want to snatch them out of the fire. We want to be fire snatchers. We're going to snatch somebody out of the fire. I would to God that God would give us an opportunity that is tailor-made for us to snatch somebody out of the fire. So Jesus says, heaven rejoices over one sinner who does what? So what is his core message? It's about repentance. Now, let's keep going. Let's go to verse 8. Or what woman? So he starts, what man? Now he says, what woman? So all the progressive people who say, oh, the Bible is so patriarchal. Jesus starts one with a man, another with a woman. Nobody notices that, because you know why? They have the spirit of a Pharisee just to complain, just to turn it up and cause something that divides us and say, this can't be right because it's only written for this person. What are the first three words? Or what woman? Having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. Just for one look, sweep the house, light a lamp. She might have 10,000 more coins, but this one is the one that's lost. He's saying in heaven, that's what we worry about. Not the ones a physician. We don't go after those who don't need a physician. We go after those who need a physician. And when you read in Luke, you'll see Jesus starts out by saying those that are well, do not need a physician. Let's go to the next verse. And when she has found it, she calls her friends, neighbors together saying, rejoice with me. Here goes the marriage feast again. He's constantly talking about that because he wants to point us to eternity. For I have found the peace which I lost. The missing piece, the puzzle is back together again. Next verse. Verse 10, likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus preached repentance. John the Baptist, that was his only message, was repent. He had a whole ministry, and he only preached one word. That's how important repentance is. Jesus began his preaching and teaching with repent and believe the gospel. But I don't know how often 
repentance is communicated. I'm not just talking about from the pulpit, but in our dialogue with people, do people understand that they need to repent? Or do they love the life that they have so much? If they understood repentance just means to turn and to go in a different direction, to turn from darkness to light, to turn from evil to good, just to turn. They think it's something that requires them to give up something. You gain something. What does it profit anyone to gain the whole world and lose their soul? You can be a multi-billionaire. It's not worth your soul. Final verse, and we're going to land the plane. This is just scripture. I want to read pure scripture in your hearing. So this is God. This is not me. So if you're going to get angry with someone, get angry with God. And I promise you this, your arm is too short to box with God. Don't do it. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 11. Some of you already know what it says. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? There are two kingdoms, right? Two kingdoms. There's one in heaven. That's why we say, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But now on earth, how many kingdoms are there? And everybody serves a master. There's nobody. It's, it's a lie. It's deception to say, I'm the master of my own fate. And people unwittingly claim sovereignty over their own life. If you do that, you're serving the kingdom of the devil because he said, I want to be like God. So he's trying to create all these little gods. But we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. Not for ourselves and not for those around us. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be what? Come on, say it again. Say it till your neighbor hears you. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Keep going. Is that the end of the list? Verse 10. Nor thieves nor covetous. I knew it wasn't the end. I was saying that so they could move the slide. But y'all with me. Y'all rocking with me. Nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. If I just stopped there, there would be people shaking their fist at the scripture and at God. Don't think that's strange. Jesus said there was going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is he saying? There are some people who say, God, I deserve the sentence that you've given me. It's my fault. It's not you. And the picture of that God showed me are the two on the cross. There's one who said, this man has done nothing. Don't you fear God? He said to the other, don't you fear God? He's innocent. We're guilty. We deserve this. Then he said, remember me. The other one, so that's weeping. The gnashing of teeth is the guy who said, if you who you say you are, get us down and yourself. He's dying. 
but he's still shaking his fist. If you who you say, that's what the gnashing of teeth. It's not just true. God is trying to tell us something in the scripture. What it's like, and you can see that today. So how do we deal with people who have the gnashing of teeth? We don't have time today, but you can see the picture of the two on the cross. And the one, although he was guilty, Elder Arthur, he was guilty. When he repented, Jesus said, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. See, the people who are watching see this as the day of your death. But I got, nobody takes my life. I got power to lay it down. And I got power to take it up again. And I also can give life. Today, you're going to enter into life. That's what we want people to know. When you receive a word from the Lord, you enter into life. You enter into life. But the good news is it doesn't end there. Verse 11. And such were some of you. He's talking to the Corinthian church. He said, you of all people know everything I named, such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's the good news. The problem is when people feel just, it ends with verse 10. You can't be a good witness without verse 11. Because that's what said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It's free indeed. And God is bringing us to a place where he used to wink at ignorance. But now he's calling everybody everywhere to repent because he sent his son Jesus to reestablish the kingdom. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we come to you today as broken vessels, earthen vessels, whether we're vessels of honor or vessels of dishonor. For in a great house, there are many vessels, vessels of honor and dishonor. But we have a treasure. We have a treasure in these earthen vessels. Although we have feet of clay, your spirit has set us apart, has washed us, has justified us, has cleansed us. And God, we pray for all of those who are in the wrong kingdom, that you would draw them into the kingdom of your dear son. We pray, God, that you would lead them to repentance. Repentance is not a bad word. It's a good word. It's a godly word. It's able to cause transformation in our lives. It converts us from under the hand of the wicked one to in the palm of your hands. Teach us to think aright, to speak aright. May our witness draw people to you. May we learn to love the unlovable. 
so that they would know the love of God. May we be so compelling with our witness that sinners would draw near to hear you. Not a preacher, not someone who stands with feet of clay, but to hear you use us in our LCT groups, in our communities, in our homes. God, you're able to meet us at Fresh Grocer to give us a word. You're able to meet us at the drive-through at Chick-fil-A to speak a word to somebody because when it's your word, it matters. God, give us the sensitivity when someone is serving us at a restaurant. Reveal something that we can say that would be a word of reconciliation. God, break down walls, break down barriers, bind the spirit that is working in the children of disobedience and reveal the light so that many would walk in the light. God, there are some who need repentance. I pray now for these as they pray for themselves. You are a loving God who is just and because you are just and you must be justified in all things, the choices that we make determine whether we have access to excess or access to redemption. We choose redemption today. We throw everything aside. Your servant Luke recorded that when Matthew left his station, that he left all to follow Jesus. Would you teach us in this generation to leave all? God, there are too many people who hang on to stuff. They confess you with their mouth, but in works they deny you having a form of godliness, but denying the power. God, we're tired. We want real. We want the real thing. We need the real thing so that we can be people of compassion, people of power, people who are your faithful witnesses, who you can trust, who you can count on, not seeking likes, not seeking popularity, but seeking your face, seeking your face. And now, God, I pray that the Spirit would work in many and that in the recesses of their heart, they would come to you. Because when they come to you, you're able to save to the utmost all that come to God by Jesus Christ. Let this prayer be a prayer of salvation. Let this time be a moment of repentance and redemption. Bless us together. And together we say it is so. And so it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church/giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. 
Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.